Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Jerry. Okay, I'm really nervous about chairing at this meeting. This is a great meeting, and, um, and I'm not a century person, so I know that, and, um, but I bring my own uh, experience, strength, and hope to you guys the best that I can. So that's my... And I'm Jerry, and I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Jerry. Okay, so um, I've been a compulsive overeater my whole life. I wasn't a... a Hugely, I wasn't a fat kid, so I didn't. I didn't have that experience, but I was always in the food. I was always was. I was very active. Um, I'm in a new therapy now, and I'm finding out more about how dysfunctional my little childhood was. But um, I ate a lot of food. I liked to eat a lot. Sugar, salt, sugar, salt all day. And I was a lonely little kid, so I would come home from school and I would eat. We used to have, I shouldn't talk about food, these giant containers of salty things that you could sit, like it was as big as I was, and I could sit next to it and eat and watch TV. And then I would wander up into the kitchen and find something sweet and eat. And I always thought the next thing would finish it. My whole life I thought the next food will finish it. That'll do it. I'll be better after that one. And nothing ever finished it. And I think that I was coping with a a lot of things. I think it was, it was probably just a bad mix in my house. Me, my parents, just they, we weren't a great match, you know. And um, and I was lonely, and um, so I ate a lot of food. Um, I remember in high school, my parents traveled a lot, and um, I remember the night that they were away. And I want to say that I was probably like fifteen or sixteen, and it was the first night of Saturday Night Live. And um, that's old. And um, I made hamburger helper. We were kosher, so I had to make it in a special pot because it wasn't kosher. And um, and I made this big pot, like this pan of hamburger helper with noodles and sauce and hamburger and blah blah blah. And um, I remember realizing that night that I could eat it all night. Like there was no point at which I had to say, oh, I'm done with this. I've had enough. Nobody was there. And I remember knowing in my heart, something's not right here. This is, this is not the way other people look at a pan of food. And I don't think that that's normal. I don't think that that's inside the boundaries of normal. Um, my mother always wanted to be 10 pounds thinner you know, and in the end, after she was dead and my sisters and I were trying on her clothes to see if anybody wanted any of it, you know, we were like, God, she was so small. She really wasn't big, but it was just this huge issue. She would walk in the house and walk up to the refrigerator from the playroom and make a, always like, what was she making? A sandwich with salami, a salami sandwich. And she would say, I shouldn't be eating this. Like, I don't know. I always thought, just eat it. If you're going to eat it, just enjoy it. Of course, I wasn't doing that either. So So, um, I dieted a lot in high school, but it didn't work very much. And I grew up in a neighborhood where the girls uh, had nose jobs and Camaros and amphetamines. And I did not have any of those things. So I could not 
wear the same things that they wore. I mean, I wasn't a big girl, but I wasn't one of those skinny little girls, and I couldn't get my hair to be straight much of the time. So I was a little out of step quite a bit, quite a bit. A little bit more about what happened. Um, when I was 16, my older sister got cancer, and um, every night, except during the time when she was throwing up, we would make brownies and watch Mary Hartman and Mary Hartman and play backgammon. And we all in my family attributed her survival to the brownies. Because <laughs> she's the only person who ever did adriamycin and got fatter. It's just never heard of. So, you know, but I gained like 50 pounds the year that she was sick and slipped into a pretty ugly depression. But okay, that was a new experience for all of us. And, um, and then I went away to college and um, decided to live on popcorn and vodka. And that was really great. I had a really fun time for quite some time. And um, so as far as like what it was like, I went from binging and gaining, I'm a 60-pounder. I have a 60-pound range. And um, I went from binging and gaining 60 pounds to really restricting and over-exercising and losing 60 pounds. I probably did it five times in my adult life. It's a lot of weight to lose. The f- like one of the times I did it in my like 30s, I, um, you know, all my friends were like, you know, oh my God, what did you do and how did you do it? And it's so great. And I would be like, the clothes are still in the other drawer because this doesn't last. And when it stops, I can't make it start again. Like, it just seems to have a life of its own, you know? And I would get really high off restricting and eat only Brussels sprouts. And just, it was just, it was just really fucked up with food. So when I had kids, I um, made it a point in my life not to tell them what to eat. I kind of, I was, that was one thing that I did. I had a bowl of fruit on the counter. I had a junk drawer with junk in it, low, so they could reach it. And I was like, you guys eat what you need to eat. Try not to tell me about it. Because I'm not going to help you with this in any kind of sane way. That's, that's not going to be a good thing for me. I'll provide some food that looks like it's n- kind of normal, and we're not going to talk about it a lot. And they did well with that. So I don't think that they got that from me, which I'm really happy about. They watched me go up and down and eat nothing and eat everything, and but they stayed out of it, and I stayed out of what they ate a lot. I, I just didn't participate in that. So I think that was good. So what happened? So, um, hmm. so when my youngest, I got, a, I got divorced, and um, my youngest was going to go to college, and I just was, I'm sure I've said this before, I was terrified that I was going to be in the house with the refrigerator by myself. And if I didn't have anybody to be ashamed in front of, I just didn't know where it could possibly go. I was really afraid. And um, I had this vision of um, Gilbert Grape's mother, you know, where you get so big you can't leave the house and you're just on a couch and I'm just eating all the time. And I honestly could picture my kids going in the basement like that scene and reinforcing the framework of the house so that I wouldn't break the floor and they would try and hide that from me. Like, that's, they're nice people. They would try to do that. And I didn't want that to be true. So I started coming to meetings. 
and I think that was in like 2010 or 11. I actually don't have a start date. I, I don't know dates. Dates are not a good thing for me. I don't. I don't keep them in my head. I'm really nervous. Okay. So, um, and then I crushed my foot on my scooter in front of my friend Donna's house, and um, so I didn't come back for about four months because I couldn't leave my house. I'd only come to like a month of meetings before that. But then I hobbled back in. And I started out on the Thursday night meeting at Davies with the nicest women. And it was a really sweet meeting. And, and after I went to that meeting, um, a person from that meeting called me up. And it was like 9 o'clock at night. And she's like, it's an outreach call from the meeting. I'm like, oh, that's lovely. And then she said, what are you going to eat for the rest of the night? And I was like, What? <laughs> You know, and she says, well, what are you going to eat for the rest of the night? And I said, I, how would I know? I have no idea. The spirit is going to move me, and I'm going to, you know, in, wander around the kitchen and see what I can create out of these things. And if it gets bad enough, I'll wander down to Safeway or Whole Foods or something. But I have no idea what I'm going to eat. I, I can't even imagine knowing what I'm going to eat. And she said, well, it's only like two hours. What time do you go to bed? I'm like, 11, 11, 30. She's like, it's only two hours. You could decide. And I thought she was crazy. <laughs> and and um, that was like my first encounter, and that became my first sponsor. And I don't think it was – it wasn't a great connection right off the bat. And I'm not a person who got sober with food really quickly. I had to just keep coming back. I was eating on and off. I would eat every few days. I would blow it and eat something that I thought I shouldn't eat. I wouldn't agree to give up. I certainly wouldn't agree to give up sugar. I knew I had to give up flour right in the beginning of the meetings. I went into my, uh, I went into the bakery section at Whole Foods and I stood in front of it and I thought, what's calling me the loudest? And what was calling me the loudest were like the pretzels and the bread. So I'm like, okay, okay. I okay. Ooh. And um so I did give that up first. And I started to work the steps. I mean, I knew my life was unreasonable around unmanageable around food. The the compulsion with which I stuff myself at the end of the day when I'm in a binge mode, it's painful. It's horrible. It's painful. It feels it's so self-hating and it, there's so much shame and there's so much I'm not going to do this tomorrow tomorrow it's going to change I mean how many times every day how many times is absolutely every single day I could say that to myself and every single day I meant it with all my heart and every single day I failed and I just it was so demoralizing and it became the it was the loudest and I can see why I can see how it perpetuates itself in my brain because it's so loud I don't have to think about anything else. You know, it just stays so loud. And and when I'm in that mode and I'm eating, I'm stuffed and starving at the same second. That's a truly horrible experience for me to feel like my stomach's going to explode and my mouth is still starving. I didn't know that there was going to be an answer for that. 
So, but I knew I belonged in these rooms. So step one was pretty easy for me. Step two was much harder because I didn't have a faith in a higher power. I decided actually when my sister got sick that there was no God. She lived, but I didn't think that was good enough. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> enough for me. And um, I just decided that there couldn't be a God. It, it, this shit couldn't be happening. And uh, so, you know, but then there was somebody in this room, in this room. I was walking out of this room, and I said, you know, God, I think God might be up there, but he's, he's gunning for me, you know. And uh, somebody who no longer is in the rooms on the way out to the car said, you have three healthy children and you think you're getting shit on? And I was like, oh, good point. Good po- I couldn't really, I had to feel like, good point, good point. Like gratitude, a little bit of that is definitely called for. So I kept coming back. Um, I started working with a new sponsor. And uh, she was a sponsor, I'm not... And, you know, she really, she just said to me, I, I don't care what you're eating. I'm never going to fire you. Like, what? And, you know, I uh, needed her to love me like that. I, I don't know if she helped my program as much as she just healed my heart. I really needed her to love me like that. And... um that was a wonderful thing. And I did struggle with the food for a few more years, on and off. It was getting better. There was no flour. Eventually, I did give up sugar. I still occasionally overate. The last food that I gave up, and I gave it up about a year ago now, is popcorn. That was a really hard one because that was my diet food. That was my diet go-to. And um, I didn't even do that one so consciously. It just, I just stopped eating it. But, okay, so I was working the steps. I was trying to get three. I was writing four, you know, and I, what I, what I'm believing, eventually, I guess, I don't know what I'm trying to say. If I kept coming to meetings and I, it became more and more clear that food couldn't answer any of the problems that I was looking to it for. Like, uh, the last bingy thing I did I want to say there were like two um I had and it was about five and a half years ago I had I bought a long loaf of bread and cheese and I ate the whole thing and I was like this wasn't even fun I felt like I might not have really great higher power connection in my life which I think is really important now but certainly these rooms have ruined the binge like it doesn't it's not even fun while you're doing it and and that was sort of good for me to find out and um and i um i kind of that's a kind of reality that i didn't realize i would ever have that like if i overeat and i get stuffed like a stuffed feeling i'm starving there's something that is those two things are connected for me in a way that I don't comprehend. And so I really need to not overeat. Like, it just isn't good. It doesn't, it doesn't yield anything good for me. Like, it's not, it doesn't, and that just took time of coming to meetings. I started, you know, when I first came to meetings, I really thought, 
I'm sorry to say that all you guys were terrible losers and I didn't really belong. And I kept listening to that where they say, I came to accept that I'm an overeater of sorts. I don't know why of sorts gave me such a, I'm not really so bad. (laughs) But, you know, I slowly, as everybody shared, I just was astonished at the honesty with which the people spoke up here and in the different meetings, and my heart just shattered for each one. Like, I just, and I I fell in love with the people here. So a lot of the reason I kept coming back is because I started to really like you all, and I wanted Mm -hmm. to come back. And I really felt like I wasn't one of us when I was eating. That was another big reason why I wanted to be cleaner with the food, so that I could belong, because I feel like you're my people and I wanted to belong and so um, slowly the food got better it got easier it got quieter and it, I don't know that it will always stay quieter but as it got quieter I feel like um, I was never a person who felt like my emotions were uh, numbed by food my Issues were sort of numb by food. My emotions were nuts. I was always really upset about eating or not eating or what was going on. And But now I'm sort of left with that. And um, so I really need a higher power. Like now I know, you know, this is a spiritual program. I have gone to the food for emotional issues and now that I don't have the food, I need the spiritual connection. I want the spiritual connection. The people who have the spiritual connection are what I want. And, and I want that. I want to be able to face the trials and tribulations of my life with some equanimity and some faith. And I used to think, like, well, people with faith, you know, they're, well, they're stupid, first of all. And then they're also, they're like, it's like an opiate you know, it's a numbing them so that the really hard shit they can just like, I don't know. But, you know, really hard stuff happens to a lot of people. I know a lot of people with really, really hard stuff. I have some really hard stuff. And I think that a higher power fairy godmother, I deserve that too. You know, I, the conference I went to a number of years ago, this man sat up in the thing and he said, um, you know, if there isn't a God, there should be one. And if that God doesn't care about my food, well, they should care about my food. Like, why can't I? That should be the way it is. So I'm going to assume that's the way it is. I'm like, that's good. That's good. I like that. And, you know, I picture my higher power. Sometimes it's RuPaul. I'm big on that with the big shoes. And I'm... And I'm big on um, Harvey Firestein being a really tough fire godmother. And, you know, if I have to be like sort of childishly picturing sort of like strong women, Bella Abzug could come by, you know, like then that's okay. Whatever it takes for me to hook into, because my will got me in these rooms my will had me dieting and starving and dieting and, and then binging and starving and binging and starving. And, you know, I feel like a big thing happened. Well, this is a really big thing that happened. I started eating breakfast. What was it, about eight months ago? Somebody convinced me to eat breakfast before I went off to my dance class in the morning. 
anybody interested in dance class, please call me. <laughs> but um, before I went off to dance class in the morning, I ate my breakfast, and I hated it. I mean, I still don't really like it, but it changed everything for me. And I don't understand that, but I am not starving at the end of the day, and I'm not prowling in the kitchen anymore, th- or, and I'm not fighting it. I'm just okay. That's really good. It only took me eight years in program to believe somebody. That's crazy. That's the disease, is that I still thought I knew better eight years in program. And, um, but breakfast really changed things for me. And uh, I really recently looked at my food. Where are we at now? Oh, you have five minutes left. Oh, five so now I'm I'm looking I'm I'm willing I'm putting my hands out like this I'm willing and I don't always have faith a lot of the time I'm terrified and my brain I do what is that like a like a pinball ball in my head back and forth back and forth back and forth but I reach out you know I call all you guys I use the phone a lot I don't write as much as I should um, but I'm trying, and I go to a lot of meetings. I wake up in the morning, and I read for today much of the time, not all of the time. Lately, I'm doing a, a app on my phone of meditation in the morning before I get up just to help me try to get the pinball to settle in somewhere, but that's a matter of trust and believing in a higher power, and you know, I have a lot of evidence that there is a higher power. I could never give up sugar for a week, not to mention five years. And I could never give up flour and bread. That's not me. That's all of you guys and the power. You know, somebody was saying on a podcast I was listening to that Bill and Bob couldn't do it until they got together. That none of us can do this alone. If we could do this alone, we would do this alone. My sister can do it alone. She's doing great. I can't do it alone. You know, and I need a lot of help and a lot of support, and I need to hear your stories all the time to remember that, you know, this is a disease, this is a problem. I'm not a problem. I make mistakes, I'm not a mistake. And um, now I'm starting to uncover some of the really deeper stuff inside of me that I'm really afraid of. And I haven't been able to do that up until now. It's a little late in the game, but why not, right? (laughs) Still here, I could still do it. And so I'm actually looking forward to excavating this last terrible fear I have and uh, story about myself. And um, I can't do that by myself. So thank you for having me. Mm